Hello and welcome to the Nicole Murphy podcast. I'm so excited for today's conversation. You know what? (laughs) I need to come up with a different starting point because I'm going to be excited for every conversation. That's why I invite these dynamic, diverse, interesting people on this podcast. Today I'm going to be joined by Jeanette Byro, who's a medium, channeler, and author. And um, I'm so excited she's joining right now. Into some some topics around death. We're going to dive into some topics around um, how she's had a near death experience and how that influenced how she went about seeing the pandemic, dealing with the fear around the sea, and so on and so forth. Welcome, Jeanette. Thank you. Thanks so much for having for me. Here. Yeah, this is great oh. to be here. I know we always have such good conversations. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> You're, you're great. So let's, um, let's start off just so people understand kind of where you're coming from. Um, what is your story and how you became a medium? And what is that exactly for those who might not really know? Yeah, so that's always a fun way to start. Uh, so as a medium, I can see here and feel people or spirits. And I say spirit because it could be your spirit guides, angels, family members that have passed, anyone who has crossed to the other side in heaven however you like to look at that, I can communicate with them. So that's essentially what I do. Um, It kind of came to me over the years. I can trace it back to when I was younger is where like I remember at the age of five feeling things and knowing things and it kind of grew and evolved from there. Um, But it's been a process of learning how to consciously connect into that frequency and consciously disconnect from that frequency because it's when we don't know what's happening is when it can get all scary and that's where the term mediumship becomes this ah scary concept but really I believe we all have this innate ability to connect with spirit with energy and I've just spent the time to hone that and so I like to share what comes through with people. Amazing amazing so we're going to be diving into a little bit you had a near-death experience and you had quite chronic illness before Mm -hmm. so i'm curious if you want to share that story and 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 for people to understand that you having that near-death experience it didn't mean that you flatlined but you actually yeah why don't why don't you explain what that was absolutely so um i want to say that i had my near-death experience three years ago so i was already a working medium for over a decade at that point. And I I really want to qualify that because it's going to play into the story later of how things further opened. But in terms of the definition of near death experience, um, if you look to Dr. Raymond Moody, who's one of the greatest pioneers in this research and study of not only near death experience, but shared death experience, it's essentially anytime someone has an opportunity where they get to the other side right? And there is a question or determined point of staying or coming back. Either they are kind of forced to come back um, or they are asked, which they would like to do. That is very different from a out-of-body experience in which we are astral traveling somewhere, or it's very different too to um, even mediumship experiences, where when I connect with spirits, they come to me. They come to meet my highest frequency and we connect I don't get to go over to where they are. And so I say that because when I had my near-death experience, I knew exactly where I was. I knew I was on the other side because it was completely different. Now, before I jump to that, what got me there in the first place, like you said, was chronic illness. So I uh, struggled with very heavy periods, as I imagine many of the women watching this or even the men who have women in their lives. There is such a large amount of women that deal with very heavy periods for various reasons. Uh, Mine basically had me hemorrhaging every month and I could never keep up. So finally, after many different things that we tried of all kinds of things, um, I had a surgery to help rectify that. So that was lovely. But my body had been weakened so significantly at that point. And so even leading up to the surgery, my mom was like, uh, who was a nurse as well, She's like, I would not want to do this surgery on you if I was in that position. Like, you don't look well. And I was like, I'm fine. Let's do this. And um, yeah, so it was basically that what I learned in my NDE was that if I chose to stay when they asked me, then it would have been a simple heart attack on the table and I wouldn't be able to be revived. But if I did want to come back, they wanted to hold as much as my body frequency 
for me to come back in and move forward. So that's the, sh the short of explaining that part. Yeah, so you had, you had your, your um, near-death experience while you were in for this procedure. Yes, while I was under. So for me, my procedure was about 20 minutes in, in human time, 3D time. But my experience on the other side felt about like 24 hours. And it was just this amazing, um, basically there was this, I've had surgery before too and have never had this experience. Um, and this, there was this amazing feeling as soon as I was put under um, I was walking on this grassy hill with my, my grandmother came to get me and I was walking up this grassy hill. And, and again, when I say I knew where I was, I had the intellectual knowledge of knowing where I was, but even energetically I knew where I was because I was walking bare feet on this grass. And from my standing position, I could see the details of the blades of grass just by zooming in on it. Like anything was possible. And the colors were more vibrant than what we see here. Like they were the most beautiful day here, but like times 10, but not in excess, but just more. And then I knew also where I was when I was walking with my grandmother. And I knew also where I was when I got to this beautiful kind of like summer barbecue picnic theme area. And I was seeing all of these people that I've known in this lifetime, also spirit guides, but even lifetimes before. And we were having these beautiful reunions of like, oh my gosh, how have you been? What's been going on? And, and it was this stunning experience of like, I mean, and again, I say I was a medium already. So I already knew life carried on. I talked to thousands of spirits already explaining details that were confirmed to have enough like A plus B equals C for me to believe. But being there myself, I had this complete immersion experience of full on knowing we carry on as a soul because that's what I was doing. And so I sat in that area reminiscing with everyone for so long. It was just beautiful. And then it was after that, that my grandmother took me to this room far off. I want to say in the galaxy, like far at the edges of the galaxy, essentially. And we were in this white room and outside I could see that kind of edge of the galaxy. And there was this giant white boardroom table and my guides were all around and they rolled out what looked like blueprints. And it still makes me kind of giggle when I think of it. Because when I was there, I, I kind of giggled and I was like, this looks like blueprints, like architect blueprints, right? And Spirit had always explained to me our life was like a tapestry and a weaving of threads of, you know, fate and destiny and stuff. But they showed it to me like blueprints and I could see my lifeline down the center and it was still alive. It was this moving like kind of pulsating iridescent line, but I could see there was different juncture points of journeys. And so when they rolled it out, essentially, we reviewed everything up until like through my life up until that point. And it was at that point that they then asked, would you like to stay or go? And that's when I was like, oh, well, no, I want, I want to go. Like it was a pretty quick decision for me. It wasn't like, hmm, it was a distinct knowing. And it was beautiful to see too that because I was at that juncture point there, they then gave me the opportunity with what remains of my life, which is this much. And I don't know what this much means because I can't in my memory see how much we went through. Did we go through this much? Did we go through that much? It's blocked, right? I see my guide's shoulder in my memory of it. So I have this much left. And what I got to do was change out different juncture points of things or experiences that no longer applied. And so what that taught me was how much we all before this lifetime pick specific things that we wish to experience to gain wisdom, grow and all of that. And so an example of one of them that I got to remember the first one, they said, you can change several or any, but you will only have conscious memory of the first one. And when the next ones happen, you'll know, but not until they happen. And the first one was chronic illness. And so I remember it looks almost like a fuse in a fuse box. And I remember pulling it out and looking at it and being like, it's really this easy. Like I can do this. And they're like, yes. And so, and then I put one in with like better health. And I remember thinking like, yeah, we'll see. Right. Because I was known as this like canary, the coal mine of my family. Cause if anyone was going to go down with something, it was me. And so I put it back in, changed a couple more. And they asked me again, 
are you sure you want to go back? And it was neat because I got to see this perspective of what I would refer to as my higher self, um, which was still entirely me, but I could see how much my higher self or my full spirit admired and had so much value for the human experience, for this human life, right? This embodiment, so much love, so much appreciation and so much value in the time put in that I was like, yeah, no, absolutely. I want to go back. I want to go back for my kids, my family, but also to do more because I already started. So I might as well keep going. And, and so one of the deals, I say a deal, it wasn't like I had to make a deal, but I guess a promise or I gave my word that um, I would step up and share more of what I do. And um, because I'd been doing readings for, like I said, over a decade, but it was all word of mouth and I didn't really put it out there just kind of kept it on the down low because again, people, especially a decade ago, mediumship was more taboo. A lot has changed in a short amount of years, uh, but I decided to put it out there. So I started my YouTube channel, Avalon Spirit, my podcast, all of that to share information and knowledge and for people to take it if it resonates. And if it doesn't yet, no problem. None of it is to push a thought or a theory, but you know, give information. And so uh, it was really interesting that when I came back, I came back, my grandmother walked me back all at the same time as I heard the nurse saying, Jeanette, are you awake? And now when I wake up from surgery, I am a groggy, comedic mess. And um, this time, she, I heard her say that. I felt my spirit go back into my body. I could still feel my grandmother with me. But then I heard that higher self of me speak clearly through me it was my voice but this clarity come through and say to the nurse i need you to write something down like really clear and she stopped what she was doing i wasn't even watching my eyes were closed but i could hear her stop what she was doing and she said honey what do you want to say and so i said i need you to write these four things down i am a medium this these things will help me remember what happened then i need you to fold it up and put it in my hand like i gave her clear instructions right after coming out of surgery like that's not me and she did she did it and um so she gave me this paper and i held on to it then they gave me pain meds and it was a couple days after when i was no longer on pain meds that spirit was like now it's time for you to go read that paper and that all had to happen and i understand this very clearly now it all had to happen that way because if it didn't and they gave me pain meds before i would have questioned the clarity as well and so that's why spirit intercepted with that. And again, when I read those, those phrases that next day, the whole memory of everything that happened came back. But it doesn't mean I didn't know what happened because I remember this feeling of bliss and joy that is heaven, that is the other side. And I say bliss and joy, but I think bliss is misinterpreted in our world. Bliss seems something that's blissful seems like in excess, right? Like so much. Mm. The other side, though, bliss was perfect harmony, but the highest held perfect harmony of balance is bliss. And that was the only word, bliss and joy were the only words I could use to explain the whole feeling of the other side and how everything is okay there. And so it took some adjusting to be back here, uh, even though I fully understood what happened. Um, but it's been so much a part or has reinforced my purpose of sharing knowledge of the other side, how things work, uh, explaining simple concepts so that we all open in consciousness. It doesn't mean we all have to be mediums. It doesn't mean we all have to, you know, connect into our spirit guides, but I think it really helps us all, you know, open to that feeling of there's got to be something more mm. and then go from there. So that's kind of my story in a nutshell. Beautiful. I'm sure people are really curious. Well, what did you write on the paper? Oh, here. It won't really make sense to anybody, actually. This is the paper. I framed it. So I know it might be hard to see, but it says Great Baba, which was my, my Baba, my grandmother that was with me. Uh, tree roots, time to entwine, and went far. So it doesn't resonate for anyone, but these key words, I remember when I opened it and started reading it, it was just like, and then the whole thing was there. And that afternoon, after I read that, my mom even took a picture because I was at my parents' house uh, recovering and my husband had kids. 
And she took a picture of me sitting down and being like, I have to tell you guys a story of what happened. And it was the first telling of the story. It's this beautiful, simple picture, but um, I wrote most of my book within a month after that. I just sat down and it all came out and all the reasons of other pieces I'd written all came together. And it was just this like, you know, everybody knows those feelings of when flow and alignment comes into place. and It's just like click. It was that. And so I've just been going forward ever since. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. I, I want to ask this question. Yeah. As I know there's going to be people listening to this. Yeah. There's going to be some people who don't believe in anything. Mm -hmm. And then there's going to be some people who think, how do you know you weren't tricked? How do you, how do you measure if that was actually real versus, um, for lack of a better term, like evil? Yeah. So I'm curious what you would tell to people who question the reality at all versus say it might be a trickster experience. Mm -hmm. I think, first of all, it's great to question. And I think when we're stepping into spiritual stuff, we should question. I think discernment, learning how to discern what is real for you and what isn't is totally key. Um, for me, discernment all comes back to frequency. So you know that statement like know thyself, right? That is such a key piece in my role as a medium, my role as in communicating with other sides, other realms, is I have to know my frequency first and anything that comes towards my frequency, if it is of the light, if it is good, it'll mesh. If it is not, it'll feel off or icky or something. So that's one simple way to explain it. Um, the other way though has been time spent doing. I have been spending about 20 years in this world of spirit. So I'm very well versed in seeing spirit, first of all, with my actual eyes or in my mind's eye. I communicate with them every day. It's regular. Same with hearing them, feeling them. So like I said, before my near-death experience, I already had a very well-oiled machine, if I could put it that way, of knowing where my parameters are. Uh, for example, when I connect in with spirit, I don't deal with lower pesky energies, I call it. If I do see or come across them, um, if I can help them, I will. If not, there's boundaries. Like there's, it's kind of like when you get more comfortable in this space, it's the same way you would deal with people in your life. You deal with the people and you create environments and relationships with those that bring you up. And with people that don't bring you up, you set boundaries, right? And so you trust the information that comes from uh, people that have proven it time and time again, which for me, again, my grandmother being the one to walk me through this whole experience, she's just this pure source of energy to me, right? So I hope that helps kind of explain it. But I do want to say for, um, for those that think this story is just out there, that's okay, because that's where you are on your journey. And that's fine. For those that are, you know, kind of testing the waters, that's great, too. This is just simply a sharing of an experience, and it'll resonate with you if you're meant to dive in and, and look into anything that pops up more, if it doesn't resonate with you, it's fine. That's amazing. So I think people might also be wondering, you took out the chronic illness. And, and you didn't explain this, but we've talked before. You were getting colds. You were getting ill, like anything that popped up previous to this mm -hmm. because of your issues with your periods and yeah. being so low on... Um, like sustenance, like body mm -hmm. sustenance, blood. Yeah. You were getting sick all the time. Yeah. What has your life looked like health-wise after this experience? Yeah. So it's, I'm glad you brought this up because I forgot to mention, but it's so different now. It is really interesting to see because when I put that plug in of better health, I was like, we'll see about this. Um, and I didn't quite believe it. And I told my husband, I told my family, and so it took us a couple months, like I think about six months or so to really see the difference. And even my husband's like, wow, this is, this is different. Like um, all kinds of things. Like there's many times where he got sick and I didn't get sick or the kids got sick and I just was the caretaker. I didn't then get sick. Um, so it's been a really neat change. I'm, I'm finally now, I think it took me probably almost two years to really be like, okay, health is different for me and not anticipate. Now I do feel quite grounded and centered in my energy, my health and stuff. So 
yeah, it, it definitely took me a little while, but it's a vastly big change. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I want to talk about, so what you're saying is not that you were sick, but it was like, you just couldn't wrap your, you, you were afraid to believe. Yes. That, and you were kind of anticipating like, okay, this has been good for this many months, but next month, who knows what's going to happen. Yeah. And like, you know, do I push myself if we go on this hike? Is that smart? I've got this coming up. Am I going to risk getting sick? Normally I would. Or, you know, when I feel that certain fatigue level that used to before be a don't go any further, you're going to be in big trouble. Now I can do workouts and push myself until I'm done on the floor, have some snacks, recover, and I'm good to go. And I feel better. Whereas before I would just be done. And so I'm not having to navigate that you know, fine line all the time that was getting tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter. So it's a significant difference. And again, those that know me in my daily life have all seen the change too. It's like night and day. Amazing. So this is actually a perfect time to bring up. This happened three years ago for you. Mm -hmm. And we obviously know we're going to use some code words here, but the pandemic comes in a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do you navigate that experience with your newfound um, health, but still being nervous about it? Yeah, so that was really interesting. Um, so my, my NDE was in August of 2019. So then it was like just before, and then, you know, I'm thinking like, hey, life's turning around, and then the whole world goes into this pandemic spin. And so, one thing that was really interesting is early on, I believe it was either January or no, February, um, I had a new set of guides come in that if anybody knows my work or follows my work, they were really consistent and have been quite consistent. Um, I call them the three guides of the light, high consciousness beings um, that came in to share insights about what we were going through as a collective. And um, they were really instrumental in me not getting wrapped up in a fear narrative, but rather catching myself and coming back to, okay, what is right for me in this moment? What can I control in this moment? What can I let go in this moment? You know, how do I come back to peace and move forward? And so one of the things that we really did kind of as a family was roll with it. That was our key term was roll with it. What are you comfortable with? What are you not? Roll with it. And so I do know from a spiritual perspective that COVID really came in to shake up a lot of things, expose a lot of things and start the crumbling of foundations of old systems that don't work anymore, right? Old ideas and so on. Um, when I was shown COVID from a spirit perspective, they showed me that it was a thing. Um, it actually was a thing. It wasn't a fabulous, uh, I won't even go there, but it, it, it was a thing. COVID was a, a thing, um, but the ways to deal with it were vast and varied. And so one thing that was really important was that um, finding, it was about finding what resonates for you and following what that is and then respecting what that is for others. And that that really needed to be a source of uh, consistency, but that wasn't right. And so what COVID did was exposed so many topics, so many parts to the whole. They're showing it to me right now like a rope, right? We see a rope as a singular entity, but when you take it apart, it's different pieces wound together. And when you take that apart, it's even smaller pieces wound together. So it was a fraying mm. of that rope to expose so many things that need to change, that need different perspectives, perspectives and different views. And so I think it has started that. Um, but I do also know that, and for some people, this might be confronting, but COVID also brought, and again, I'm saying this not from the human perspective, uh, but the spiritual higher view, it brought exit opportunities for a lot of souls that um, either had finished up their uh, life journey or were wanting to choose to finish the journey on the other side, that they would be more better suited on the other side. And I did see that with a lot of clients. And there were several spirits that I connected with who crossed over and they said, you know, I took this opportunity to exit actually, because I realized in my life, I will be better suited to help be this liaison between someone who is just freshly on the planet to the spirit world to help those higher realms 
you know, understand what's going on there from this perspective, not just that perspective. So there was also that there, COVID allowed an opportunity of exits. And that doesn't take away from the grief that people have felt. Um, but yeah, so I mean, that's a really higher view. Um, but I hope it kind of helps explain a little bit. Yeah, and just going back, um, you said, just so people have perspective, how old is you, are your kids? And what tangibly did it look like for your family to be like, just not getting swept into that fear? Because again, you would have been um, the person that they were saying is most in danger of getting the C, of getting, mm -hmm. getting. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, for me, it was interesting, because I just felt so rooted in what happened in my NDE that I felt okay about it. I felt if I did get it and I did have that experience, that it, I would, it would be okay, regardless of how. Um, but I mean, there was times where I felt myself pulled into the fear narratives because especially in the beginning, when it was first coming out and you know, everything you heard was like the unknowns of it. And so sometimes we have to remember in the state of unknown, is to pull back and find your own grounding first, right? What can you do? What can't you do? And then what? And so I think I had to do that a couple times too, to not get sucked into that really big whirl. Um, but with my kids, what it looked like is basically they're in elementary school. And so um, we had discussions and we were comfortable rolling with, you know, if they had to wear masks at school, are you comfortable wearing a mask at school? Yeah, it's not a big deal. Okay, you let me know if it is a big deal. And I would check in with them regularly. And, um, you know, we got creative with what kind of material do you like? And my mom would then sew different masks of fun materials so that it was just a different experience for them. And I would check in, are you comfortable wearing masks there? Is that okay with you? Yeah, it's fine. It doesn't bother me. Um, so we just rolled with it. And then there was times where, you know, it was really annoying or they, we couldn't go watch hockey. Um, in the beginning, they wouldn't let any parents in at all to watch hockey. And, you know, are you okay with that? Yeah, mom, I understand. And so it was just always this like treading day by day through the experience while holding on for me the faith in the ability for transformation. Because one of the things those three guides of light did tell me is that from the year 2020 to 2024, we would be seeing um, awakening of consciousness that equaled 100 years of growth condensed into four years. And so if you think about it, since 2020, we have seen the crumbling, the exposures, the, you know, whatevers of so many things. And we're really only just over halfway through now. But the really interesting thing too is in this phase now, they kind of showed it to me like humanity needed to do a U-turn because they were getting off course. So the first kind of two and a bit years was the downward part of the U right, where things felt like we we're falling downhill, essentially falling, snowballing, losing all our gear, splat at the bottom. Now, because of what a lot of people have done is they have been questioning not only external narratives, but even internal narratives. People have been asking themselves, who am I now? You know, do I want to work where I was working? Did I actually like working from home? I don't even want to work for that company. I'm going to do this, right? Like, it caused a lot of reflection. And so now, there are quite a few people that on this upward swing that we're starting now literally right now is like there are people who are like energetic lighthouses you know people that can hold a higher frequency of change with forward momentum and I like to say it's like would you rather fall down a hill and tumble or hike up a hill right mm -hmm. I would rather hike up a hill because I'm gonna have a little more stability uh, a little more structure than the free fall. And so for those that have done that inward work, for those that are, you know, finding their truth, knowing themselves, this upward hill may in fact be a bit easier because their will, their determination and their grit has been established. Right. And so mm -hmm. they're taking the steps at their pace rather than flying down the hill. So I think we have that going for us a little bit. Yeah. So you're saying the first two years, it was like whew, free falling. And now I think it's also because we, because that free fall, creating the crumbling, cr creating this uncertainty, creating us questioning, yeah. people are getting more aligned and more solid 
and able to hike up and create solutions. Exactly. And that's what this time now is for creative solutions, right? So it doesn't mean it's going to be easy, right? A good hike up a hill is not easy, but you can set your mind to help you get up there. You can stop if you need, you can, you know, whatever you need, but we're going to see still some more crumbling, more exposures, but with more people ready to step in, in a grounded frequency to create change. And that's part of the whole hundred years condensed into four years of massive awakening of consciousness. So I, I feel, um, I feel the energy is promising, but it's not, it's not going to be like a floating summer vacation on a dinghy, right? Like it's, there's going to be some choppy waters, but we can do it. What would you tell people? Because this is something that most people I've talked to, the biggest struggle in the last couple of years, besides fear around health, has been the loss of relationships because of the divisiveness, because of the division, mm -hmm. the loss of friendships, the loss of family members, and, and all still living, mm -hmm. but there's like this mourning that's taking place. Mm -hmm. what, what messages do you have around that? You know, I think that's a very valid observation. I think compassion has to be the foundation of it. Um, mm. It doesn't mean we have to agree with other people, um, but having compassion for self of holding what resonates and feels right for you while also having compassion for others that can't either see that, don't agree with it, or even if they are in a tailspin of their own, which you can't do anything about, holding a compassionate space for them to do what they need, right? With boundaries as well. But I want to say the interesting thing too about this part of our journey in it now that I've been getting over and over from spirit is that we're coming in or we're in a phase now of a renewal and a reunion in partnerships. And I have been getting that over and over and over. I've been talking about it on my podcast and it's, there's a heavy emphasis of new relationships. Now, what that can be is it can be a, you know, two parties separate, whether it's family, friends, whatever, based on different ideas, but they start to see through a lens of compassion, which allows them to come back together, reunite, hold their own ground, but have respect for the other. So there's that type of reunion. But then there's also a reunion where some of these breakdowns have actually allowed the release of perhaps toxic relationships right, that couldn't find a way to be released and found a release through what's gone on. And so in many ways, for some people, it's actually opened them up to freedom of finding that soul family, that soul tribe, the, the friends that resonate with them, that they feel lift them up rather than burden them. So I think there's a lot that's happened, but there's a restructuring of relationships happening in the collective energy right now so it's it's quite timely so what i would do is i would i would encourage people to really get aligned with what they know is their truth but their peaceful truth like not the fighting truth but what can you sit back peacefully and know is your truth and then from that point if you honor that for you then you can then hold space for others to do what they need and that space you hold might be near to you or it might be at a distance but you can do it from a place of more peace. I love that. I want to dig in a little bit deeper with this because a lot of people have come to me being like, I don't know if I want to cut this person out of my life because it's just a time for distance or if it's the program of divisiveness, if it's actually the program that's mm -hmm. kind of guiding the cancel culture program. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't personally subscribe to cutting people like I think there's a lot of messaging around like that person's negative cut them out that person's this cut them out that might not be self-reflective enough might not actually mm -hmm. help you it's just them triggering you if that makes mm -hmm. sense and it's actually a gift to you so how do you navigate the difference essentially I think that's a very deeply personal journey for everyone I don't think there's one right way to navigate that I think questioning it and um, first of all allowing yourself to take time to figure out what you need but then also allow yourself the ability to change your decision right like just because say six months ago it was like no I'm done and say you see this person changing and growing or reaching out and you're kind of like warming to it you can also change and maybe open a door again 
right? So I think, again, we need to live in the reality of everything is shades of gray versus black or white, right? We have this very linear 3D idea of things are right or wrong, black or white, good or bad. And sure, some things can be that simple for us, but I think the reality is we live in so many shades of gray, so something might not be the best option, but for now it will work. And that maybe works for a time. And then there's a time where it doesn't. So I think we can't just plunk one ideal down and cement it in place. I think we need to kind of be like a leaf on a river and flow, right? And, and make the choices. Spirit has always told me that our life blueprint is like a river right? The design, it meanders a certain way, curves and whatever. And that's the design. And then we're given a boat, which essentially is this physical body to meander, move around, swim upstream against the stream to the side, you know, waste all our gas going backwards, whatever we want, essentially to move along that river of our design. So if we want to live in more harmony. It's kind of like working with the river and being a part of the flow. So I say that imagery because I just think if we come back to self, it's kind of like that I am principle. I don't know if many people have heard of this, but the, the know thyself or the I am principle. When you know this, you can then stop looking inward and start to look back outward into the we are principle. How can you help your community? And that's when we can see from a lens of compassion. And I think that's what's trying to push us through from just a me versus them to a, how do we come back together with all our different ideas and hold space for it as a community. So I think there's going to be with this renewal of relationships that we're seeing energetically, there's going to be this whole new renewal of what is community now and what does that structure kind of look like? Cause it can't be exactly the same as what it was. No, and there's, I think that's so beautiful. And I think it is happening. It's already happening already. People are already reconnecting. I've received messages, people being like, hey, I'm changing my mind. I'm more open. I'm more flexible. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think that it's going to be beautiful. Now, here's my question. How do we address issues instead of just like pretending everything's fine and keep going? Do you know what I'm saying? Like sometimes it feels icky for somebody to just pop up and pretend like, oh, I didn't say those things about you or I didn't think those things about you, but now I want relationship. Mm -hmm. I think you have to, again, follow if you're going to entertain that relationship, right? Like there's two parts to it. So they're coming to you, right? If you're going to entertain it, what do you need in order to entertain it authentically? Is it worth in your energy to have that conversation or do you already know they're hurting enough from what they said and you'll hold space until they're ready to bring it up themselves. Is that authentic to you? Or is it authentic to you for you to bring it up and be like, wait a minute, before we can reunite, I need to voice these things, right? Or maybe for you, it's just, you know what? We're just going to keep this casual. Hey, how you doing? Good, good. Nice to see you. Thanks. Like it really has to come down to what feels right for you. And I think sometimes we in general have to not be in such a rush to know what the answer is and rather be okay with the journey of the step-by-step -step path to figuring it out, right? Beautiful, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like part of that is the learning, that is the reconnecting, mm -hmm. and finding out what you authentically, um, what boundaries are authentic for you too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you think are some of the biggest lessons or themes that the collective is learning right now over the last couple of years? Mm -hmm. um, gosh, there's many. I think conscious choice is a big one that we get to really consciously choose our perspective of reality. We get to choose the way in which we want to carry ourselves, how we want to be. We get to choose if we're going to be joyful or not. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with undoing a very ingrained victim thinking that many of us think this is happening to me. This is happening against me. This is, you know, kind of poor me, which doesn't mean we can't feel poor me sometimes because that's human. Yes, totally. But if we get stuck in it is when we get limited and our energy goes inwards instead of 
okay, what can I consciously do now because of this, right? Like, yes, this is horrible, whatever it is, or really challenging, but what are my steps to get out of it? Conscious choice, right? So I think people speaking up, sharing ideas, sharing alternative ideas, different ways to do things, different ideas, different social constructs are giving us more opportunity now to consciously choose what we align with versus following what we should. And some of those things are so ingrained, like again, victim thinking. We as a collective, I feel, are very used to falling into victim mentality because it loops back into being dependent on something else to fill that, right? You need to make me better um, or this needs to make me better versus what can I do to make me better? And then, oh, I found something cool that could help you if you want to make you better, right? And I'm not saying it's as simple as that, but the base unit would be something like that. So I think conscious choice to change the frequency we live in is a really big one. Um, and I think that really plays into the kind of world we all want to create. Like really this growth and ascension is asking us, what do we want to create on this planet? How do we want to be from medicine to economics, to politics, to school systems, to communities, to how we interact in our families? What do we want? Is the way the world is right now, is it good enough for you? Maybe for one person it is. And if it is, they're living in their joy. For many, it's not quite there. So what can you do? Because I really believe we are all here for a reason. I, I know I came back here for a reason. I know you're here for a reason to do the things that are within our path that are part of our purpose. Mine is connecting with spirit. Yours is sharing information on lots of things. Just as some someone might be a doctor who innovates something new and somebody else might be, you know, what it just, there's so many different things, but we all are here right now at this time in this change point for a reason. So the more conscious we become of that and conscious of the things we're doing and the why behind it, the more we can align to a higher frequency. Mm, that's so powerful. I love that. Uh, what would you say around, because I resonate with what you're saying and, <laughs> and something I've done working with my students and things like that is like, okay, hey, what do we want to feel like? How do we become a joy generator? How do we not be victimized to the outside in, but generate joy from within? But where's the line between doing that and, you know, toxic positivity, mm, in your opinion? Really. Um, I think that's a great question. And I think that's something we need to be aware of is if we only, I, I call it sometimes spiritual bypassing. You can understand something from a higher level, right? Like, I know this person didn't mean it because, you know, they're going through this and this. Sure, that's one level. But how does the human you feel? Is the human you hurt? Is the human you offended? I think a big thing with that idea of toxic positivity is acknowledging what we are feeling first. Where are we at? What are we starting from? And then what are the things that we can do to bring ourselves back to that level of positivity, right? Because just slapping a everything's gonna be okay sticker on something doesn't always work. Sometimes, sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. And so I think if we're really stuck in something, we have to be really real with how we're feeling about it. Like we have to be okay to sit in an energy of grief, sadness, confusion, anxiety, despair, um, but also sit in the energy of joy, pride, accomplishment, triumph, um, or peace. Because we need to know what that feels like too and embody both of them in order to really bring ourselves into wholeness. So I think it's really about being real, like be real with yourself. Um, and if we can be real with ourselves, we then have the ability to hold space for other people when they're trying to be real, right? Ooh, that's so powerful because how often, like this is what I've dealt with in my life. It's like, I'm, you know, trying to bring a, a good frequency, a good energy, whatever that means, AKA people pleasing. Yeah. But then I can actually at times hold space for people's emotions. I, I'm way better now, but I've noticed mm -hmm. someone being angry. Whew, that's hard for me. Mm -hmm. But the more I learn to hold space for my anger, the more I'm able to hold that for other people. Yeah. And it, that's, that's wisdom right there. Like wisdom is something we gain from an experience rather than just learn it. We can regurgitate it and it might sound cool, but like we know and can hold the space for the thing if we've experienced it. Right. And so when we are really real with what we are feeling, we have so much more space to hold for somebody else feeling something similar. 
right? Like we can be such great teachers for ourselves if we only allow ourselves to do that, like to do that. So, and, and that's not always easy. I mean, there's days I totally get it right. And there's days I totally don't get it right. And I have to, you know, come back and shake my head and be like, okay, whoa, wait, we're going to start again here, you know? But I find the more that I do that, I then even have more grace for myself in those moments when I have to restart. You know, maybe, maybe that restarting is me saying to my husband, listen, I'm sorry. I was super short with you there. That was all my business. I am so grouchy because of whatever. That wasn't you. I'm sorry. Let's restart. You know, and I can find like, almost give myself a pat on the back for that and be like, yeah, you totally owned up to it in like a second. Doesn't that feel better? Yes, it does. Okay, cool. Lesson learned, right? And it, it just like stacks. Even if some of them are like micro stacks, it still stacks up. I love that. And, and that's where true intimacy and authenticity and connection is born. Mm -hmm. When we also just take responsibility and own where we're at. Yeah. That's yeah. so beautiful. I'm curious, Jeanette. I ask this question to everyone. What is the biggest lie you once believed? Oh, what's the biggest lie? Hmm. Are we talking like, can it be anything? Like anything? Anything. Anything. Okay. So one of them, um, and this might seem small to some, but to me it was really big, was becoming a parent myself. I realized how much adults or parents are learning as they go. And I remember growing up with this really ingrained idea, and I think it was even just my own perception, that adults or people older than me knew more than me or knew it all just because. And as I had kids and realized how much I was fumbling my way through parenting and still growing myself, I really saw so differently how no matter how old you are, no matter what, everybody's story has value from their perspective, one not being better than the other. I mean, don't get me wrong, I think some people that are in their 80s, 90s have some really amazing perspectives based on how long they've been here, but it doesn't devalue my perspective or your perspective or my eight-year-old's perspective, that we can learn from every age and every angle. And so that's something that I've really seen change in my mind since becoming a parent is realizing parents don't know everything and parents continue growing. And even my parents now, I look at them and I realize like they're still growing in their journey of their person, of who they are even now, right? And it, it's not like they just know who they are and they're there. So to me, that was, that's a big one that's really opened up my eyes is just the constant evolution of our journey. And we are all these individual souls trying to learn and grow through our relationships, our partnerships, and we will continue to grow and do that until we cross over. And if that's 99 or 120, then so it is. And it's, it's beautiful. Mm. That is so beautiful. And I heard something before that's like, if you, if you seek growth, you will experience pleasure. But if you seek mm -hmm. pleasure, you're going to, ex you're going to experience suffering. I'm mm -hmm. curious your thoughts on that, because there is a lot of um, thoughts around seeking pleasure and what feels good. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of thoughts on, well, if you never push yourself outside your comfort zone, and grow, then you don't necessarily expand, right? So I'm curious mm -hmm. your thoughts on that. Well, I think that's a really beautiful statement, depending on what level or dimension or perspective you view it from, right? Because I think there is a direct correlation that when we understand suffering, pleasure can be that much greater, right? We can really appreciate something when we didn't have or we had to work to gain it. So that's one perspective, one level. But if we look at that same statement and go deeper, we can see that even in times of growth, we can find pleasure in the choices we make. In the, you know, like that example of me being grouchy with my husband, that's not a great situation, but I could catch it really fast and grow in that moment, which then made me feel good. It's like a feeling of pleasure, like way to go, all, all in that moment. So I think it really depends on the perspective. I think too, though, we could also look at it even one layer deeper and look at pleasure as frequency or resonance. And if we seek pleasure or frequency resonance, we're seeking things that align in our path. 
And those things that align in our path might push us to grow, but we can find that frequency in every situation, right? We can choose which way we're going to go based on that feeling of known frequency, which we could say technically is pleasure. Right? So yeah, I think it's, it's so interesting because even like the word pleasure in itself versus the word happiness and depth and intimacy, mm-hmm. like everyone has their own perspective of what these words mean as well. Yeah. And, and really, language, language is so limited. That's one of the things that I've noticed with spirit stuff, even how they communicate so often telepathically, it's like knowings and you understand it and then you have to put it into words. And it's like fumbling through human words to explain something that is not quite explainable by the words and the connotations we use. And it's like having to redefine bliss, for example, or redefine different words because what angle do you come at that word from? Right. So, yeah, it's interesting, too, when you said the word bliss, that you experienced bliss, but it wasn't like it wasn't like a maybe this is what you're getting at. It wasn't like a losing of control. Like, you know, the idea of bliss being like so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I've been reading a lot like how joy is actually a very uncomfortable emotion for people. And even in your story, having the chronic illness healed, you still were kind of like waiting for the shoe to drop. Mm-hmm. So how do we. I don't know if you've had any messages around joy and, and how do we embody that and just um, live through that more? I think, again, it's really different for everyone, but I would say in general, if someone's having a hard time finding or being in joy is take baby steps. You could even start with uh, really noticing how you feel about something as simple as glass of water or maybe Maybe you like mango juice and you get mango juice and instead of just drinking it, you're like, "Mm, good. You actually experience it, experience the flavor. What does that make you feel like? Right. Or maybe you like bubble baths and you get in the bath, but you allow yourself to experience the sensation of the warmth of the bubbles of the smells of the whatever and what it feels like. And you allow yourself to feel contentment and bring it slowly to joy, the more you start to recognize what joy is in the many ways it can show itself, the faster you can get there and recognize it, right? Like the faster you're like, oh, joy, I know this. Okay, sweet, right? I'm gonna celebrate. And we, we I have a little story of this. This is actually funny, but um, a couple weeks ago when Elon Musk was sending up all those satellites, you know those satellite trains for those watching that he was sending up like 50 satellites at one time you could see them go over the sky and it looked like this like train of a whole bunch of them. I'd heard of it, but I assumed in my mind at the time that there would be like two or three and kind of like come one after another. I didn't know it was the train. So my son was outside cause we were sleeping on our deck in the summer. It's just fun. And uh, I hear my husband be like, come outside, come outside. And we go outside and we see this giant train going across the sky. And I was like, Oh, Oh my gosh, thinking it's like aliens, right? I was like, you guys, this is an alien ship. I was like, that, what? And we're, we were all in this experience of joy, utter joy. I was like, I can't believe I've seen this with my actual eyes, like right now, and he's seeing it, and he's seeing it. And anyways, and then about five minutes later, we're like, didn't Elon Musk put on some, you know, some satellites? And we're like, oh, we should Google that. We Google it, and sure enough, it looks exactly like what we saw. And we're like, oh, But then I was like, you know what? I don't care. For those five minutes, I was completely enwrapped in in joy. And so was my son. So was my husband. And so I said to them, I'm like, you know what, guys? That may not have been an alien ship. It wasn't. But do you know that feeling we felt? Was that not amazing? And they're like, yeah, it was. And so that's still one of our best moments of when we thought we saw an alien ship. But it wasn't. But it was because we just lived in joy. And then we acknowledged it even though it was funny and goofy after it's like one of our favorite memories and and the humor i think that's actually part of the gift because you could have gone the other way and been like oh we're so dumb how can you let our imagination go there right yeah but when you take those experiences and you add the humor and and i think that actually enriches it in a lot of ways totally It, it was so fun it was funny and great I love that. Yeah. And, and, and now you have that experience so deeply that you can probably access that awe, that excitement, that joy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's why I'm glad my son really captured that moment because um, he just comes alive when we talk about it. And so now I know that he knows that feeling of awe and wonder and joy, right? It's just, 
I love it. Again, it's one of my most favorite experiment experiences that lasted five minutes and wasn't what we thought it was. Right? <laughs> but the energy was all there. So it was lovely. And then you get the little download, that truth download. You're like, oh, there's oh. the truth. Okay, yeah. I gotta look this up. And that's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so if you could leave one message with people, you know, the one thing that you, you want to bring to the world or the message you want to leave, what would that be? And this, I know that's a tough one too. There's a few. Um, what would I say? I would say that it's kind of a two-part message that from my experience, I can only share that I know we go on. We go on after this lifetime. When we close our eyes on this life, we open our eyes to us where we carry on. I know that. And I wish to share that feeling of inspiration to those that may be questioning. And in connection to that, though, that made me value even more this human lifetime and how much what we do in this human lifetime matters 100%. How we show up for ourselves, how we show up for others, how we say yes, how we say no, how we grow. Every situation has a beautiful thing to teach us and our voice and our actions matter. And we, when we really realize we're co-creators in this world, right? Like we're co-creating with the universe every step of the way. We step, they step, we step, they step. When we harness that, we can make the most of the time we have here. And then when we cross back over, we can share all our stories and carry on, but don't discount the value of this life. Oh, that's so beautiful, Jeanette. Thanks. And I think that some people do live, and, and, and I get it, but they live in, okay, I believe that there's something afterwards, and I just want to get there. Yeah. In whatever religion or belief system they have, it's, okay, I'll be happy when I cross over. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I, again, I just, we're, we come here for a reason, and so we have so much to gain and grow from, and that is the purpose of why we're here, and we're supported by that, by various guides and family members on the other side to make the most of it here, right? Like so often if someone loses a spouse, their spouse on the other side is saying, please grow and flourish. Don't stop because I'm not there. I'm still here, but don't stop your life and your expansion, your journey, your experience of love, your growth, because I'm not there. Live your life and then I will meet you at that gateway, that doorway, right? Like there's so much support, even though sometimes we can't see it. And I even get frustrated sometimes, even though I can see it. Um, there's so much support for us to grow because, I mean, let's just face it, earth school, if we want to call it that, all of us coming to earth, coming to earth is like earth school. It's not an easy place. 3D reality is very dense. When we look at dimensions, 3D is dense. That's why we have strong polarity. We have strife and chaos, but we learn a lot in that. And so if we open to that perspective, we can realize how much we're gaining in this lifetime in experience. And to make the most of that so that when you cross over, you're like, yeah, high five. I did some good work over there, right? I'm so happy with that, but I'm also happy to be here now. You know, hand me a margarita. Thank you. You know, like <laughs> that kind of thing. I love it. Um, so that's a great segue. How can people work with you or get connected with you or read more about your near-death experience and your story? And uh, yeah. Yeah. What so, do you offer? Yeah. Um, lots. Uh, the, people can find me here on Instagram, um, Jeanette Byro dot medium. There was a fake one going around for a while. So, uh, this one, um, and I post on here plus on Facebook, Jeanette Byro medium, as well as my YouTube channel, uh, Jeanette Byro medium, um, all of the stuff that I'm doing. So there is my podcast, which is the Jeanette Byro podcast, as well as, um, these making sense of life videos that I do regularly, which are just taking a topic of like, do spirits attend their funerals? Let's talk about it, right? And talk about those things. And, uh, and then also, if people want to check out avalonspirit.com, that's kind of the main hub for everything, for the courses I offer, uh, courses to help people connect and learn to connect with their own spirits. That one is Lightworker Mentorship. And uh, my book, if anyone wants to read the whole story, because it's a, it's a story, uh, is called Avalon to Aurora, and that people can get on Amazon. Amazing. And isn't there a... Um, meaning behind the name of your book? 
Yeah, uh, it's a statement from my near-death experiences. Uh, before it happened and I understood what was happening, Spirit gave me an indicator that I didn't fully understand, but they woke me up one night, a couple days before, um, and they said, what was to be Avalon is now Aurora. And I was like, what does that mean? And they're like, remember it. I'm like, I got it. And then I almost fell asleep. They're like, remember that statement. I'm like, I got it. <laughs> um, Avalon was the meaning of heaven, the other side. And Aurora meant a change of plan and like coming back to earth. So what was to be Avalon, heaven, um, was now Aurora. So that's why it's called Avalon to Aurora. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you, Jeanette. Somebody just asked, do you do readings? Do you do one-on-one -on -one stuff at all? Um, um, I not, I'm not taking any new right now just because I'm booked up until the new year. Um, but I do do mentorship if people take my course and then want to further mentorship their skills. I do do that. Um, there are a bunch of vetted mediums, though. There's several on avalonspirit.com. And so people can check out the personal journey guides there for specific readings. Um, but if people have, you know, questions of how things work, they can definitely connect with me either here or wherever and ask those questions like, can you tell me how... Um, how do I know who my spirit guide is? Or how do I, you know, are Ouija boards okay? You know, and I'll do a video on it and that kind of stuff. So there's lots of ways to connect in that way. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Jeanette. I love your story and Thank I just, you. I love your energy. So thanks for sharing and being so open to this me. conversation. Beautiful. Great. Lovely. Thanks. See you, Jeanette. Bye.